This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast at this point in time, just an FYI, we do have a booth at the Logan Paracon. It is going to be located at the event center at the fairgrounds. It's going to be on October 9th, which is a Saturday. More details are still to come, but listen to that episode so that way you can get all the details necessary that he has available to you right now. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to us. My name is Shane. And I'm David. And on today's episode... This is our final episode of season one. It has been one hell of a ride. Right, David? Yes, it has definitely been uh, a long year. Uh, When did we actually start doing this? So we started talking about this back in, I would say, February? of this year yeah so it was about february this year so i mean it was it's been a long process and you know what actually i think we even started this last year we were talking about it last year because it was uh in december when we actually i think dropped our first episode or was at least recorded our first episode was in december yeah, something like that. So it was starting last year, and it's been one hell of a ride since. Definitely a huge learning curve. Yeah, for not doing podcasts ever. Um, it was definitely interesting. I mean, you, you definitely learned a lot uh, editing everything from the first one to now. You definitely uh, have got a system down and can cruise through them a lot faster. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's to the point now where I can edit these pretty quickly within a day or two you know and get them ready for the next uh, posting but it's definitely you know reflecting back on season one it was probably the biggest learning curve that I've had to do besides doing video editing and even though David and I have been on different podcasts for other hosts and everything it's a completely different ball game when you're doing your own thing and it was definitely overwhelming but now it's it's cake it's good yeah i definitely um from being a guest it's it's more simpler because you just show up and you basically tell stories versus uh being a host you actually have to think on what you're gonna say 
for the episode and I think our biggest worries is always before we start is like man I don't know how we're gonna stretch this out into a, a full episode because when we look on what we're supposed to talk about it always seems very short on on paper but then we manage to find ways to to drag them out hopefully and enough that we can make it work and at the end we're like you know what? that was a pretty good episode and we kind of say that at the end of every episode yeah because we've been trying to hit like 45 minutes to an hour and then there's been some episodes where we're going about an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes but those are more in-depth episodes like if we have guests or a pretty intense topic that we're talking about and sometimes most of the episode could just be us bullshitting you know it's it's either one thing or another but I don't think we've actually had an episode for less than 45 minutes, to be honest. Yep. So, with this being our last episode, we've decided that we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to be doing a question and answer, so basically an AMA. We've been posting everywhere for people to ask us questions, so that way we can answer them on this podcast. We've gotten quite a few questions, and then we've had some anonymous ones come in as well. We will be saying your name to the questions and everything, and we will answer them as honest as possible. And if we can't answer it now, we'll get you an answer later. Um, I have a question, Shane. Yes. In this episode, um, depending on how long this goes... I was curious if you wanted to potentially talk about uh, our recent trip that we took to to Tonopah. Oh, we can definitely talk about that. At the end. We can definitely do that. Because that was definitely a fun trip. Yeah, for sure. I definitely thoroughly enjoyed it Mm -hmm. Um, going there because I never would expect to go that far into Nevada, you know, driving wise. I mean... We've covered a decent amount of Nevada at this point now, more so than, uh, I mean, Utah and Idaho being one and two, but I think Nevada's like the third most visited place that we go to now. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been to uh, Virginia City now. We've been to Tonopah. We've been to, um, what was that other town that we went to? Um, It was just south of Tonopah. It's called the Jackson House where we actually went to, but I totally can't remember. Oh, that was that was another one. We went town. to Eureka. That was Eureka. Mid- yeah, yeah. That was in the middle. But what was that town that we went to? Uh, Goldfield. Goldfield. Yeah. Goldfield. We visited Goldfield as well. I've personally been to Jackpot, Nevada, numerous times because my grandpa used to fly planes, and we would fly over to Jackpot, and then we'd go eat breakfast at the one cas- one huge casino that was there, and then we'd fly back. Uh, depressed and and then obviously you can't not stop at at Wendover just right over the border and then David and I have been to Vegas I've been to Vegas numerous times either flying or driving and David's been there once yep uh fun fact to let you guys know on this because I know this is kind of different uh when you guys actually hear this but today is technically Friday the 13th on which we're recording this yes it is so that's been fun. Mm-hmm. It's been one hell of a week, that's for damn sure. Yeah. <laughs> Leading up to Friday the 13th. Technically, it's been one hell of a, a couple of weeks for me. But, <sighs> yeah, it has. But you'll have heard about it 
but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll brief be very brief on on that when I talk about it. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about our trip. I think that's it was a good good weekend. Honestly, I think I, I had a really good time, and I honestly wasn't too exhausted each morning based on what what we all did. So I I think all around it was a it was a good time. Yeah, it definitely was. It was a long drive, though. It was definitely a long drive. Yes. We thought going to Eureka was long. This one was longer. <laughs> yeah. It's not so bad in the daytime, but once it starts getting night time in Nevada when you're driving, it gets a lot worse. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. worse. Yep. And surprisingly enough, when we went, we had more moisture in Nevada no. than Utah than Utah yeah, <laughs> yeah get this. That was there, there was hilarious. more water in Nevada than there was in Utah it rained like three times in the week we were weekend we were up there it rained when we drove up um it rained um a little bit when we were up there but we didn't get much of it where we were at and then coming back home through Ely it, it rained again yeah and surprisingly enough the temperature there wasn't really that bad for Nevada, for Nevada, because yeah. you didn't you didn't get the the dry heat, mm-hmm. so you just you just had the sun. But like you know, usually ninety degrees is a good low for Nevada. But then you add in the dry heat, that makes it more unbearable. It was just if you were in the shade, at least you know that the heat wasn't sweltering, right. so it was really quite manageable. Still got burned mm-hmm. for the lack of being actually out in the sun, but still got burnt. Yeah. But it was, it was definitely fun. Mm-hmm. It definitely was. All right, so we're gonna jump into the question and answer section. Now, there's been quite a few times where we posted on Facebook and we're asking, you know, questions from our fans, followers, either on the podcast, on the regular paranormal page, on the other groups that we manage, and everything. And we wanted to see what kind of questions you guys would drum up for us. Now, obviously. We prefer it to be paranormal related, but we don't mind answering personal questions or anything like that, just so that way you guys can get to know us more. Now, for the first question, David, go ahead and ask it. All right, this is from Stephen Malaya. I wouldn't, pretty sure I didn't say the last name right, but we're gonna just say Stephen. Um, so this is very Salt Lake based, but uh. I don't know what this is, but it's the Devrox house. How would you say that? Devereaux. Devereaux? Sounds French. Um, but the Devereaux house by the track across from the Vivint Smart Home Arena really haunted. There's an old house north of Vivint Smart Home Arena, always been told it's haunted every now and then people see a little girl and looking out the window of upstairs rooms. It's next to Tracy Station. Um... I've never heard of this. I've never heard of anyone talking about it. Um, but it's in Salt Lake. It's, if it's old, I mean, chances are pretty high it's haunted. Um, so, Stephen, to be honest with you, never heard of this place before. Um, thank you for bringing it to our attention. We'll definitely look into it, but I've never heard of that place before. Now, we are talking about Salt Lake City. You can probably throw a stone and hit a building that's probably haunted. So I don't doubt 
that it's haunted, but I personally have never heard of this place before. I mean, if we can get in there and investigate it, I'd definitely give you an answer. Um, but it sounds like it'd be a, a home that someone maybe personally owns or a home that's abandoned and mm-hmm. you'd, you'd have to probably get, you know, permission from the, the county. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Salt Lake, anything really in Salt Lake is a good bet. It, it's haunted. Oh, yeah. With all the history and everything. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of that question, would an echo machine work in that place? Now, Stephen, what what are you talking about an echo machine? Yeah, I don't really know what an echo machine is. I, to me, an echo machine is like one of those, uh, I don't remember, like an echo vox maybe, you know, like the ones where that like it shoots out like words to you yeah um i think that's what that means to me and just putting a name to it the, the echo vox is probably the closest i can think of to it now we don't personally use that type of equipment um because mo- i think it's it's, a, it's on an app right uh, and but uh, the closest we really have to those types would, is like the Ovulus or the SB11, SB7, or the FX 2.0. That's probably the closest we have to it. Um, now, I know those would work, the devices that we do have. And there's a potential that um, the EchoVox would work. Uh, I know a few people who stand by it and use it, but... Uh, we haven't personally tested it and used it. So if it's an actual piece of equipment, this echo machine, uh, there is a percent chance it would work, but I've never heard and or used it, so I wouldn't know. All right, and this comes from an awesome viewer named Caitlin Scott. It's a good friend. Very good friend. So the first question, you guys were talking about skinwalkers a few episodes back and invest and investigating them sometime in the near future and i was wondering how you're supposed to investigate them when all i hear and read about them is you aren't supposed to approach them and acknowledge them right yeah they are um probably one probably top five of the most dangerous things you can encounter in the paranormal field. Um, obviously, probably demons up there, but uh, I don't think I've come in contact with one of those yet. Um, there was a uh, small percentage chance that we almost came in contact with the Skinwalker Ranch when we did a residential um, a while back. I don't remember where it was at, but it was pretty far when we were almost thinking it was a... Uh, um, oh, you're talking about the residential down in central Utah. Yeah, yes, I know what you're talking when we about. We were dealing with that stuff outside. Yep. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Windigo. A windigo. Yeah, we didn't know if we were dealing with the windigo or skinwalker based on the fact that it was definitely uh, animal type that we were uh, kind of messing around with. Um, but. I don't know if we came with an actual conclusion on what it was, but we did end up sealing the property to keep said whatever it is out. Cause it wasn't in the, it was like 
in the neighborhood, you know, and in one specific area where it's uh, decided to leech onto the family from a safe distance, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, skinwalkers technically can be found anywhere, but there's a specific place in Utah where people like to clamor to to talk about them. Um, but you can probably find them anywhere. I can't imagine they're localized. Uh, they're definitely a big native legend, so probably anywhere where natives congregate, which at one point was everywhere, you can come in contact with them. But each each uh, tribe, you know, obviously they believe in their own little thing. I think uh, skinwalkers in general are pretty much across the board when it comes to all the other tribes. They probably call them differently, but it's the same concept. Now, they like David said, they are actually everywhere. They're closer than you can imagine, to be honest. To actually... Not that I'm saying that I actively want to seek them out, but we definitely want to investigate them. We've heard numerous uh, stories of people that have came in contact with them. You know, they'd see like a dog-like figure or an animal-like figure, and then it morphs into a human-like figure, and then it chases after you and tries to get in your vehicle and attach and attack you and everything. Well, when it comes to... um where you know you're not supposed to approach them and you, we would just want to investigate the more we investigate the better we can be prepared when we come across one that we're not actively seeking we know how to defend ourselves against it you know because if we just always keep our heads down and never talk about it never you know acknowledge it um it's going to acknowledge us at some point and if we kept our heads down all that time we don't know how to protect ourselves from this and I think that's kind of the biggest thing in the paranormal in general. A lot of people just shut out to it. But if you pretend like it doesn't exist, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You know, and now you're stuck in a situation where you don't know how to protect yourself. Exactly. And the only way to get experience is to experience it. Now, personally, am I going to go out and seek out skinwalkers? No, I don't want to. But I have to for the experience. So if we come across a residential and there's a skinwalker on the outside and we get attacked, I know what to do to to save those people, to protect them or anything like that because we've had that experience. You know, it's not like we want to go out and battle with a demon. You know, personally, I don't want to do that on a, on a Friday night. I'd rather do something else. But for the experience, for for us to talk about it and learn about it, we have to go do it. Now... Going next to Skinwalker Ranch would have been ideal, but in general, you know, I've talked about this numerous times on the podcast on the whole Skinwalker thing and the, and the Navajos against the natives up here and all that. Technically, Skinwalkers can be everywhere and they can ta- attack you whenever they want to. If you're actively seeking it, you're going to get your ass kicked. If you're not actively seeking it and you come across one, you know, unluckily you came across one, but at least you can escape because you don't threaten it. Now, some skinwalkers can will attack you regardless. Those are the ones that you have to be cautious about. So if we 
go out there and get this experience and if we accidentally come across a skinwalker we know what to do to protect ourselves and get rid of it from the area anyway there's no real way to get rid of skinwalkers unless the tribe that cursed the land breaks the curse itself well I thought I briefly remember hearing about uh because the skinwalker can turn into what it uh kills right so like if it wants to be a wolf it kills the wolf right and if it can take the shape of what it kills um one of the ways I thought I heard to uh deal with the skinwalker is you have to like uh capture the skinwalker in its animal form and then put it in a box and you do something else I don't remember I would have to look into that because if we can capture and bury one or banish one that would be ideal yeah because I when we were up in that that residential I remember Diana talking about uh, a certain way to deal with uh, it was either the windigo itself or it was the skinwalker when you when you did that but like I said I'm, I don't have the most expertise when it comes to either of those I don't know what else there is on that. I would say my biggest uh, thing I would use in dealing with the Skinwalker would be Diana. That'd be my mm-hmm. number one. Push her out there. Go get him, kid. Right. Um, but other than that, yeah, I don't have much experience with it. Um, I guess what I'd like to add to uh, why uh, Skinwalker Ranch, uh, air quotes, would be um, a hotbed is because if everyone believes and is intenting on skinwalkers to be there who's to say that they're not manifesting that energy and feeding the skinwalkers that are there that energy because a lot of people believe that it exists you know it's one of the biggest things with uh, negative entities and demons in general is if you feed into it that's what gives it power you know which is why a lot of people just say it doesn't exist because if they don't believe in it when they're taught uh, growing up, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. They can't feed into it. Mm-hmm. But that's mostly with just negative things, though. So that's one of the big reasons why I think Skinwalkers at, in that area of Skinwalker Ranch is uh, prevalent uh, or at least relevant right now is because so many people are feeding into it that it is real and they are there and probably the entities there are just feeding off of it and are waiting for the next people to come along mm-hmm. that are weak enough for them to uh, entangle. But that's that's about all I got on that. Yeah, because um, essentially if you wish for it, if you actively search for it, it's going to happen. And it, regardless if it's over in the Vernal area, if you're in Box Elder County, or if you're in Cache County, or if you're in Weber County, it, it, it really just doesn't matter. If you actively look for it and wish for it, it will happen. Now more than likely it might not be a skinwalker it might be a wendigo or it might be another type of cryptic like creature that could pop up because we've we've said this over and over again on the podcast you know spirits can manipulate whatever they want if they want if they want to look like a skinwalker they'll present themselves as a skinwalker i mean there's been numerous times where we've come across malicious spirits that tried to portray themselves as a demon. We know that they're not a demon, but that's what they portray themselves as to scare you, to get you the hell out of their area. That's essentially what they're trying to do. 
it's the same concept with with skinwalkers and and any type of cryptic type creatures out there in the paranormal yeah and it, it wasn't a question that we got thankfully but uh it, it is a question that i've heard before uh in other places uh where someone asked uh how do you where do you go to find a demon and I've heard this uh, answer before, and I also agree with it. Um, if you're looking for a demon, you don't have to go far. Exactly. If, you, if you're looking for a demon, the, the demons are going to find you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but thankfully we didn't get that type of question. Exactly. Um, but I'd like to continue, go back to Caitlin, because she has a few more questions. And this one kind of goes with the previous one that she just asked. Um, with uh, approaching, finding skinwalkers and all that. Um, does that put your team in any danger? So this is a, a team leader question. Um, I would say uh, anything we do um, puts, are you are we putting the team in danger with anything we do? I guess is the question for you. Honestly, in this field, we are always in danger regardless. What we do is dangerous. Now, is it running into a fiery building dangerous? technically no it's a different type of danger that we are experiencing so even if we're actively investigating skinwalkers a demon a malicious entity if we're doing just a regular uh, residential there's always dangers out there playing with the paranormal doing stuff in the paranormal actively investigating research dabbling in some of the occult like stuff that coincides with the paranormal has its dangers anybody that you ever ask in the paranormal field you know they they will tell you yes it it can be dangerous the ones that tell you that it's not dangerous unless you make it out to be they're completely full of shit they got to open up their eyes pull their head out of the sand and smell the fucking roses this is dangerous and th- this is why i hate when newbies get into this field because they don't know what they're doing they're playing with things that they don't understand they're doing things that they don't understand and they don't understand the negative repercussions from it and even though i bag on greenhorns or new people coming into the paranormal at one point in time i was new one point in time david was new at one point in time back when dinosaurs used to roam the earth you know some of the other people that i know we're greenhorns in this field and they've had the experience they've experienced the shit that we've experienced and i wish people would actually consider joining a team first before starting a team and doing stuff because nine times out of ten you're screwing things up and then some of us senior officials in the paranormal field have to go in and clean up your mess but back to the question though it is dangerous it is by far probably the most dangerous thing I could ever do. I mean, I could jump out of a plane. I can go cliff diving, do all that. And yeah, those are dangerous. Yeah, those could probably kill me. But what would be worse? An instant death or a prolonged death sentence with a demonic entity attached inside of me? Yeah, that, that's just spiritual attacks. You don't want to mention the... Uh, physical uh, landscape uh, problems that we face constantly too whether it be outside uh, next to a an open mine in Montana or a steep hill that someone breaks their ankle on for some reason 
um, out in the middle of Idaho. Right. Or even uh, housing uh, with dilapidated buildings or, you know, when you don't know how to duck and you hit your head on a pipe, you know, it's very, very dangerous in, in uh, other ways mm-hmm. and just uh, get spiritually attacked. I mean, we're going out into like coyotes, wolves, like animals, you know, when, when we're outside. Fucking mm-hmm. cats, three-legged dogs, you know, they're out there. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's very dangerous in in other ways too but i guess that's also life um i have a follow-up question for me on on the danger thing have you ever had someone been uh spiritually attacked to the point where they either passed out or ended up attacking you me personally no but i've heard stories of other people that i personally know that has happened me too but i think the closest i mean I'm not going to lie. There's times when we're investigating and you're asking questions and in my mind, I just want to like, just say, shut the hell up, slam my hand on the, you know, I feel that because I can feel the energy that that's happening from that, but I've never done it yet, thankfully, because that would be awkward. Um, there was a point where you did have to throw holy water on me, but that was not too bad. Yeah. That was a very interesting experience. Um, but I'm, yeah, there's, there's been times where, uh, people in our group have, uh, not felt so hot where they've had to step out and recollect themselves and, and whatnot. But I, since I've been on the team, I don't think we've had anyone actually become, um, spiritually attacked to the point where, uh, we're not dealing with who we're seeing. Exactly. So we can count ourselves lucky on that one. Yeah. I do expect at one point in time that that will happen but it has not happened yet um okay caitlin we've got the last question all well, right. technically it's her second question but i split it up um this is a good one i actually like this question a lot um do portals have a different energy to them or how do you notice a portal has opened uh, um i'll start a little bit I'll let Shane jump in, but when it comes to portals in general, uh, I think there's two different methods. Shane has a specific method that he uses to detect a portal, um, but just from my experience, uh, being in one location in an investigation, knowing there wasn't a portal, to going there a second time, and there actually was a portal that we found out, I could tell, I can physically feel in that environment that something changed that something was different and the fact that I was standing below where the portal was you, you can just tell that there was a difference um, now I can't see portals myself but I'll let Shane tell you more about portals mm-hmm. yeah so like what David said when you walk into a location and there's a portal that's open it's a different type of energy now most people probably would not be able to pick up on it because they don't know or how to differentiate the different types of energies. Now, obviously the earth itself puts off its particular energy, its type of EMF. A portal puts off a different type of energy. It's not an energy that comes from a human or a spirit, but it's more like it's it's an energy that spirits use to feed to travel through these portals. Now, if we want to get technical, then I pull out my pendulum 
in the area where I feel like the portal is and with my hand completely still with the pendulum dinging I just sit there and I watch and if it just starts spinning and depending on how intense that portal is it'll either slightly spin or it will definitely spin then that's when you know that's an active portal now you can use pendulums for spirit communications you can use pendulums for a few other things as well like checking for a detachment on a particular individual but for the portal aspect if the portal is open it will spin in circles if it's not open it will stay dead still now I've gotten to the point now where I can just use my hands if I just hover my hands over where the portal is I can feel the energy David can walk into a location he can instantly tell that there's a there's a portal open the best way to describe that is we did a location down in Bountiful we were down in the basement and David said was there a portal open or is there a portal open in this location and then come to find out later we found a Ouija board inside that location and technically a Ouija board can be used as a portal itself. That proves that the energy itself is different when it comes to portals. Now for and the opening port portion of it, how do you notice a portal has been opened? Besides visually seeing it like we did at Hobbs Hollow with those dumbass kids, um, Outside of that, the energy can be weak for a new portal, so you can easily close those up quicker than one that's been established for quite some time. The energy is still the same, it's just weaker. The longer the portal is open, the stronger the energy is. That's the best way that I could technically explain that and how to fill the port how to fill portals and everything but if you want a visual way to verify that there's a portal open just use a pendulum now you can use some scientific pieces of equipment like a uh, millimeter k2 a tri-field and those portals itself emit energy and so you will get random spikes um you know stuff like that and you can verify that that could be a portal itself, but the easiest way is with the pendulum. I'm going to add another question to that question. Um, I've seen things before like this, uh, and I know someone who technically has seen what portals are, but uh, it'd be, do portals uh, have color to them? And uh, do they have different colors, and what do they mean? Because I know people have auras, and those are type of colors. So I'm just curious um, if you've heard of uh, different portals having different colors to them, or if they're all the same. Honestly, I have never noticed any color coming from a portal, and I, we've dealt with a lot of different portals before. And I've never noticed a particular color, to be honest with you. Like humans, I can I can definitely tell what their aura is if, if I sit there and study you long enough and feel your energy and everything. I can tell you, you know, well, first I'll ask you what your favorite color is because that will tell me if I'm right or wrong or if I'm close, you know. But for a portal itself, I, I've never seen it emit any type of color. The only, the only thing that I've seen, if it's used for malicious intent, it's more blacker 
like the area is a little darker than the rest of the room yeah type but for other circumstances i mean it's just normal lighting um do you think they have color to them and we just haven't been able to uh see them yet uh i'm sure that probably is plausible because I know uh, Leslie's, that, I mean, we can't go to it no more, but that's yeah. known to have uh, tons of portals in it, if not one, at least one major one. Um, and we've been there a few times, and I don't think I've seen anything that uh, can generalize where a portal is. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's very curious to me, the, the idea of these portals having a, a color. Because if you try to envisualize it in your head, um, yeah, put a color to it, right? Yeah, and in my head, when I picture uh, a portal, I picture it obviously swirling, mm-hmm. and I picture it like a, a light blue tint to it, to to the energy field moving. Mm-hmm. That's what I picture when I picture uh, a portal. Kind of like blue, a wormhole type thing. Yeah, but and, and blue blue is more like a, a neutral color. Like there's no, it's just it's just a door. Something can come in, something can come out, and it's just a, a blue color to me and. Uh, most portals that I um, hear about that are in areas usually have a, a portal guardian. Um, what's your thought on that? Or do you think they just they can just come up and they're there and anything can come through and go and when you have a portal guardian, they kind of determine what comes and goes. Honestly, for a portal like that, I I just I don't think that there's a portal guardian. To be honest with you, because nine times out of ten portals are open by either humans or malicious entities. So if there's a guardian on the other side, it's probably some some sort of a malicious or demonic entity on the other side that wants to steal your soul. Basically, that's what I think. But I mean, it, it could be plausible. I just don't think that there are guardians. There are guardians for other things, but for a portal, probably not. Um, have you come across a portal where there isn't a negative entity also in the area? Mm, no. Actually, every portal that I've associated with has been with a negative entity. So you start adding that up, and it, most portals aren't usually a good sign. Um... Because like you said, either a person conjures up uh, the portal, but it's an open door, right? So anything can come through, and what wants to come through and get into our world the more, it's negative-type entities that either are banished from a certain area and they're looking for a new home, and they try to use portals to get in, and um, what a lot of negative entities, in my mind like about the portal is uh spirits get trapped into a portal and then they get exit out of the portal into that area and now they're trapped because that negative entity is stronger than they are and so they use that spirit that's trapped there as more energy to be able to do whatever the hell it's doing to get stronger so anytime usually a portal's involved you at least have and that's maybe why the notion of the idea of a portal guardian is is out there is because it's a negative entity uh, that's protective over it because it's liking the energy that's coming with the portal. So maybe that's maybe it's not so much a guardian, but it is definitely something that 
is very dependent on it and would like to keep it there. Yeah, because this is my theory. Now, I could be wrong. Any human-type entity can use energy from everything from the ground, water, man-made electricity, so have you. Malicious entities try to grasp onto as much energy as they possibly can from humans, uh, electrical pieces of equipment, portals, anything malicious, stuff like that. Now, I personally think that I think malicious entities like portals more because that's a free energy source. And I feel like malicious entities, particularly the non-human ones, have a harder time obtaining energy from other sources as well unlike normal human entities yeah it's harder for them to get natural energy because that's unnatural to them because they're non-human right they never set foot on the earth so they can't get earth's natural energy right and so they either try to get free energy in ways of uh people because uh, people emit a crap ton of energy and uh, they have a better chance of getting it from them. And then uh, just electrical wiring because uh, it's already shooting off EMF into the atmosphere. It's not natural. It's made by humans, which is another thing. So that's the other reason why those two things get affected a lot when it's negative energy versus if you just have, you know, your every old day human spirit that hasn't crossed over yet, they can just use the Earth's natural energy field. So, you know, you're not as feel the effects when you have normal spirits in your house um and yeah i have portals i'm assuming uh we have done tests with portals obviously with uh, our emf meters uh and you know the pendulums obviously uh where when you get near the portal you get a huge spike in emf and that's one of the reasons why we do baselines when we go to places we get it not just for uh getting baselines to communicate to spirits but if we go around and we get this huge massive spike and it's just constantly there and we can't explain it then there's a potential for a portal and uh, i think we did that uh test like that at the benson grist mill when we went to every floor and did that little test so um so the next question actually comes from your wonderful mother oh good coral garcia so question number one what has been one of the scariest investigations slash encounters you have ever had? She went with the hardest question that everyone gives us. Um, well, I, I hate this question, but I love my mom. Um, I hate it because I don't think I've actually truly been scared on an investigation that's spiritual because i will tell you i've been on a few investigations where there have been some animal presence and i didn't have a gun i just had a little tiny kitchen knife and i was like this bitch come after me it's gonna get stabbed that's a different type of scared in my opinion because uh that's a physical creature that is real um but when it comes to spiritually i i can't say i've actually been scared like i've been to waverly never scared in that whole time and I've even walked that place by myself um, at certain times so I mean I, I was never fully scared um, I have been affected by certain things numerous times um, even technically I cried at an investigation but that wasn't of my own choosing and doing 
but as soon as I snapped out of it, everything was fine. I just had to collect myself. But yeah, I don't. I've never fully been scared of a location or a place. I mean, people scare me. I've been to a few places, and I'm like, um, nope, that's not a person, like a real person. But I, I don't know. I don't want to sound like nothing scares me, and I'm this big tough guy that can do anything. But I've never truly been in a situation where a spirit is with me, and I'm frightened. Oh yeah, I don't. I think you haven't had your oh shit moment in this field yet. I think it is coming, but it, you just haven't had it yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it's very interesting. Um, I think what it'll end up being is when I see my first full body apparition. I think that'll be the defining moment uh, in my head where shit's real. And then, because I mean, I I do think it's real now, but um, it'll be the final proof for me, you know, to see a full person there that looks real as any person looks. And then, A, they just disappear without me looking. Like, I don't want to look away, then look back and they're gone. Like, I want to see them either disappear in front of my eyes or straight up walk through a fucking wall. Um, But I think as soon as I see that, um, a bit of fear will will hit me because then not only is everything that I've been searching for and researching and investigating and all the little things that I think in my mind and heart is real, but they'll finally connect and be without a shadow of a doubt and that'd be a, a new experience yeah i think that'll be the the moment where i'm actually feel a bit scared because then i can start asking uh the bigger questions mm-hmm. that you know everyone wants to know yeah so there's been a few times for me the first time i got the shit scared out of me to the point where i was scared was when I provoked for the first time and when I got attacked. That was the first time. There's always been a lingering fear in the back of my head, mainly because we're investigating the un- the unknown. I'd rather deal with, you know, going into a house with some pretty scary-looking people versus going into a house not knowing exactly what I'm dealing with. That's always the underlining fear that's in the back of my head. Now, outside of that, obviously, you grab life by the balls and just go for it. And that's how you get your experience. But I think my biggest oh shit moment was when my abilities started developing. And I was seeing how spirits can manipulate themselves to make them look bigger and scarier than they actually are. I would have to say... Media Riff was probably one of the other scariest moments of my life when I sat there and I watched a demon walk up the stairs when we discovered the Ouija board. That whole experience was interesting because I believe at one point I was astral projecting at that place. Because um, it was it was getting you to astral project so that way he could try to take your soul. Which was very, very interesting, the experience of, of astral projecting, which I will... Uh, We'll talk about like, yeah. later. Um, I want to say one thing real quick. Um, there's a difference between being scared and being startled, because we have all been startled at many points during our uh, careers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but that is not the same as being scared. Yeah, in fact, the first time I actually got David startled on camera was at residential here in Ogden, where they thought that I was walking up to the shed and opened up the door when truly I wasn't even there. I was still in the house. That, that's an also a great, great story. It is. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I've seen some scary shit at Washoe. I've seen some scary shit at uh, Waverly. I've even seen scary shit locally here. But by far, watching that demon walk up the stairs and seeing the huge horns coming right out of his head and he had a mouthful of just sharp teeth. His eyes were beet red and he looked like he was about 10 feet tall and and he was stacked like a shit brick house. And I, I'm not I'm not gonna lie, I was about ready to shit myself. And my biggest thing was, you know, I was worried about everybody else, especially David. That was by far the scariest moment in my life. I mean, I've been to the scariest place in the United States of America, and the demon that we discovered that was attached to that Ouija board at Media Rift in Bountiful, Utah was scarier than that place. So for the next question, I'll let you do that one too. What's your favorite equipment you like to use on an investigation that's not yourself? Mine's mine's pretty easy because it's the one piece of equipment that I think I've never not not used in any investigation ever. I think if I only had one piece of equipment to bring with me anywhere, it's always the Obulus 5. I think that is my biggest one Um, for multiple reasons a i kind of know how it works so it's one of those things where not every word is relevant um but it's nice to just to have because it gives you something to try to build off of and so when you ask your questions you uh you get a a great place to start um to build your questions off of because it can get very boring very tiring just sitting in a room waiting for uh someone something to touch a piece of equipment that makes sound or light up where the ovulus i can at least get the energy reading with it you know just to know that oh yeah there's a lot of energy building up right now even though it's not spinning anything and then even when i go into a place and it's just spitting words and i can't even read it fast enough and that's how i know the energy in the room is just lightning so i mean that's my number one but uh I feel second partial to the FX. Um, I like the blind tests we've been doing. Yeah. I think that's been really, really fun and interesting to get those results. But uh, you can, I'm, I, was that your favorite? Was the FX 2.0? Did I just steal your thing? No, not really. Well, okay, good. It, it is my number one, Damn. but surprisingly <laughs> enough, my number one for the longest time up until I got the FX was a digital recorder. That was my number one piece of equipment. Out of all the equipment that me and David have, I mean, I love the SLS. I love the Melmeter with the REM functionality. I love our cameras. I love all the equipment that we have. But to truly hear a spirit's voice is a good digital recorder. Up until I got the FX. Now... Even though, Coral, you asked the question, what's our favorite piece of equipment that's not yourself? 
technically the FX blends the equipment with the body to be able to produce evidence because you use yourself as an as an antenna when you press when you put your finger on a certain portion of that FX because you're grounded your feet's touching the ground so it grounds you mm-hmm. so as soon as you touch that it grounds out the device mm-hmm. so technically it is a piece of equipment but I am using myself as well so to answer your question it's a hybrid. Coral, yeah it's a hybrid so to answer answer your question is the FX 2.0 with the digital recorder as a solid number two Okay, we got a Mr. George. Negron. Negr- Again, sounds French. I don't, is everybody French? Um, He's actually from Georgia. Jesus. <laughs> George, uh, George, this is a shout out for you. Thank you for being an awesome co-worker and thank you for listening to our podcast. Thanks for the four questions because we got four from you. Um, maybe we'll try to do these as fast as we can. Uh, what gave you the inspiration to go into the field now i'll go first because i'm sure shane's is longer than mine um because mine's pretty fast and simple someone just asked me hey you want to go on investigation i said sure meet the leader hey you want to join a team sure uh two weeks later i went to my first investigation yeah it seems pretty cool i'll keep doing it five years later there it is yep (laughs) sounds about right that sums it up as fast as it can go Now, I've touched on this a couple of times throughout season one, but the biggest thing that got me into this field is because I've always had paranormal shit going on with me ever since I was a baby. Um, it's, It's always intrigued me, you know, the fact that we have spirits, entities, angels, demons, and everything in between walking amongst us in a different dimension versus our dimension. But the biggest thing is the experiences that I had when I was a kid What is what drove me to investigate the paranormal. Uh, you know, I've had my chance, I, I got my opportunity when I joined the first team that I was on, and then that didn't last long. And then I started my team, and it's been going steady ever since. I mean, we've had our ups, we've had our downs, we've had our busy moments, we've had our completely dead moments. But the experiences, the long history that I have with the paranormal stemming from when I was a child is what brought me into this field. I mean, I'm glad I, I'm in it. I mean, I can't see myself not doing it, especially with all the places I've been, people I've met and stuff like that. I mean, seeing all the stuff that I've seen, I, I wouldn't have seen half the stuff I've seen if I wasn't doing this. So. It's one of those things where it chose me, I didn't really choose it type of thing, but I didn't have the big uh, shock factor that most people have when they get into it is, you know, they grew up with it or as a kid this happened. It was just one of those things that, honestly, I was pretty blocked off to the whole supernatural world until I started doing this and then it started opening up as I did it. So, uh, you you tell me if I chose it or it chose me. Honestly, I think it chose you. Because if you truly did not have an interest for it, you would never have met me. You never would have been on your first investigation. I mean, for God's sakes, you probably... We probably wouldn't even know each other now, and this is, you know, five years, six years down the road. You know? I think it chose you. Yeah, I agree. 
and you put your faith in me to teach you everything that I know, you know, and it's worked out well. There's been quite a few people that I've taught the ways of how I do things and they flush it down the toilet. However, you have taken it and you've expanded on it and you ran with it. Right on. Okay. Number two. Do you want to do it or do you want yeah, to do Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll ask it. Okay, go for it. What one single investigation is your dream location to investigate? I'm going to totally screw this question up because I have like multiple things I want to say about it. Um, so I have a Utah list, right, of all the places in Utah I at least want to do once. So, I mean, that... But then you have the, the the big one. If I can only choose one place, you know that people can't do or get into, what would I do? Type of thing. Um, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna break it up into multiple. Okay. Um. So my bucket list as of right now consists of two places that I would like to do at least once uh, for my Utah list, and that's the Saltaire, which has been there for a, a minute, mm-hmm. and uh, Fear Factory. Um, the list used to be bigger, so I mean, I'm doing pretty good uh, with my Utah uh, list. But I know those places are technically available to me. I just it hasn't been the time. It mm-hmm. honestly hasn't been the right time to do it yet. Um, and then surprisingly, one investigation that I'd really, really like to do for some weird reason um, is going to be Dracula's Castle mm. in Romania. Okay. Um, there's a lot of other places I could decide and choose from, but for some reason, I feel like that one would be the coolest. Yeah. Because, I mean, there there's probably hundreds of places just in the U.S. alone that I could start shooting names off left and right of places I would like to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's still a possibility with some of those. Yeah. But I feel like one that I'd probably never get the chance to would be that one okay so that one that, that's mine so like with david there's been a lot of locations on my list that i've checked off um locally the one place that i want to investigate really bad is area 51 dance club in salt lake city uh for nationwide waverly was number one on my list we did Waverly, so I removed it. Washoe was another one. Removed that one as well. We also went to Bobby Mackey's, so that got removed. Honestly, nationwide would have to be that place in either Oregon or Washington that's about the witches. Well, supposedly about the witches. The Salem thing? Kind of. It was that one episode that Ghost Adventures did like three or four years ago where they went to this location out, and I think it was like Oregon or Washington, and they uh, they caught those full-body apparitions walking on thermal. Mm-hmm. They were in a church house, and they were threatened. Uh, they felt threatened with their life. I mean, isn't that every episode? Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I don't know. I know I didn't say this, but uh, I'd like to do 
a prison, literally any prison. Yeah, prison would be good. That's, I mean, because I've done the hospitals, you know, Mm -hmm. everything else that you can categorize, schools and all that stuff, but I've never done a a prison. Yeah. And I'd like to throw that on there uh, in my list. I don't know. I'd like to go to Massachusetts and do the Salem thing. Um, I'd like to go to Colorado to Estes Park and stay in, you know, the, the hotel up there. Yeah. I mean, there's literally, if, if we sit down and we make a list of all the places I want to go, it'd be a long ass list. Like I said, a hundred places just in the U.S. alone. So, I mean, that's, that's a loaded question. Thanks it, for the question. It really is. <laughs> uh, the last part of it, if I were to go international... Obviously, it would be not kosher of me to... Well, actually, no. Let me let me backtrack that. It wouldn't be appropriate if I were to try to go to any of the... Uh, any of the extermination camps in Germany and Poland. Or the suicide forest in Japan. I mean, I would love... Interesting, too. I would love to investigate those, but for moral reasons, I'll probably never do. So, if they are, if I was going international, I would go with that island off of Italy or Greece, the one that's uh, completely abandoned and you're not allowed it's, to visit. It's uh, it's Italy. Italy, yeah, that one. Um, God, what is it called? It's like it's the nickname I think is Death Island. It's yeah, where all the plague people they they th- threw them out there and. Pretty much to die. It was like a quarantine area. Um, fun fact: grapes grow there. Mm-hmm. And they make wine from from the grapes. That the soil is nothing but bodies, ashes. So it's, you're drinking Good dead people. Fertilization. Wine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now that place. Um, I heard a while ago that it was for sale. That island. So sure it's a couple mil but uh yeah you can buy you can buy your own island of dead people essentially um but mainly the island was used for um before the plague um it was a defensive uh strategic uh location um from invading people by sea it was kind of like a big fort essentially that protected a, a flank and if you basically held that island, there was really no way of, yeah, yeah getting to the island because it was they used it as a fort. Yep. Um, but no, that's that place is pretty cool. Ghost Adventures did that very early on in, in mm-hmm. their career. All right, for the next question, go ahead, David. Um, let's see. We're still with number three. Okay, have you had any malicious experience during your investigations? Um, where? Where do we begin? <laughs> um, I would. You could probably name every other investigation that we do. It usually has. I guess. Do you, do you count like the eh ones or the the, the big ones? Because uh, first thing that pops into my head is when we were filming our dolls and you got attacked. That was a pretty significant one. Yeah. Um. For me. Probably the one where you had to use the holy water on me. That one, that one was interesting. Just, just based on what I was seeing at, uh, that night, uh, 
I'll, I probably can't forget what I saw, but uh, picturing a, a little girl um, with no arms and uh, her mouth was like uh, a blank, blank face mouth, but then her eyes were just like pitch black. Um, that's what I was seeing that whole night, <clears throat> even though there were other spirits there. That's she was just fucking staring me down. So that was fun. And then I just remember they started uh, cleansing and I just and had to lay down on the couch and just had no energy. Like I it wasn't like possessing me, but it was just worrying to Shane. I imagine that uh, I'm just sitting on the couch and I just like, got no energy. I can't like speak or move or anything so here it comes with the holy water on me you know i mean i didn't get a major reaction out of it but i mean that was that was pretty interesting but yeah we i would say we 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 deal with it almost on a nightly basis when we when we do investigations so i don't know do you got a memorable one so honestly for David's thing, um, when you've been with, when you've been around someone for so long, and you can definitely tell when something's off. Uh, that night, I could definitely tell when something was off. David was very lucid by the time we got to cleansing him. Uh, he's a pretty upbeat guy, and he's definitely a go-getter. And when he's lucid like that, that's when I knew something was wrong. Um, <clears throat> honestly, in the years of doing this. Things used to not be so dark. Things used to not be so malicious. It's just lately, the last two to three years, things have just progressively been getting darker and darker to the point where uh, basically every investigation, every cleansing have been dark. In fact, excuse me, um, a couple weeks ago, we actually got invited to go check out this old farm in Sandy. It's called Wheeler Farms. Can I just tell you how amazing it was to walk into a location and not have anything malicious there? No dark energy, no negative energy, nothing. It was just all positive. The fact that I'm bragging about this tells you how much malicious shit that we have to deal with on residential investigations, residential cleansings, business investigations, so on and so forth. We've dealt with so much dark that it's actually refreshing to experience a positive investigation. So to answer your question, George, it never used to be negative, but progressively with how everything is going these days, everything has gotten darker and darker. Yeah, great news for us. Um, so here's here's his last question: If you could communicate with one person, who would it be, and why? Hmm. Does it have to be one person, or can it be a couple? <laughs> <laughs> well, according to the question, it says one person, but mm. I'm I'm sure we, I've I've screwed up a few questions too. So I mean, uh, for me. Uh, well, most people usually, I guess, when you if you ask them this question, nine times out of ten, it's family, right? Mm-hmm. Or a celebrity. Usually, people usually want to like talk to someone that's passed that they were close to, you know, uh, one last time. Uh, for me, fortunately, I don't really have 
many family members close to me that have passed so I don't I don't really have that feeling um there's not I would to specifically name a person I'd want to talk to I'm open to talking to any spirit that's willing to talk back so to single a specific person out um okay I got one actually and it's kind of funny because it doesn't it wouldn't make sense to most people uh, but it makes sense to me because I, I experienced it but uh, there's a specific uh, person that I actually don't know the name of uh, at a location that I've done a few times and I've done with the team uh, on a separate occasions um, she was a victim of a very heinous murder by a person and her spirit is still be torturing by the same person uh, to this day and every time I've ever done this location um, I've always felt her pain and have felt the most tied with wanting to help her um, and if I could like physically see this person and actually talk to them to help them I think that's actually the person I'd actually want to talk to because there's been investigations where we've done where I've felt bad for um, certain spirits that have to uh, live their spirit life in, in like a torture repeat but this one is a little more personable because I've also dealt with the negative entity there that uh, was doing it to this person and I don't know it's just something that I would it's one chapter in my life that I wish I could resolve I mean it's hard you kind of can't get too personal about things like that because once you start getting too personal you start letting your guard down uh, case in point when uh, certain girls in uh, this group that I was helping out with uh, were getting attacked I did the dumb thing and said if you're gonna do a thing then you want to do it to me challenged him and, and it eventually it eventually did but not in the ways I was expecting uh, so you, you get to that and not that what we do is compared to uh, anything that cops do but it, you are dealing with real people that have died in tragic ways and it, it can get very pull on the strings touchy-feely all the time and to invest yourself 100% in each one of them to want to help them it's very exhausting mentally and physically so I, I try not to get too personal when it comes to that but this one time I think is the most I'll ever get to, to being like that yeah so <clears throat> David you're gonna have to remind me because my sometimes disease is really kicking in right now is this Greg Cliff you're talking about okay thank you it sure is okay because I was like wait I don't remember this happening at Benson or Hobbs or I'm over here like racking my brain like what what is he talking okay it I, is, I know. it's my it's my number one place to ever mm. go to and I would never give up an opportunity to ever go there again and it would never get old for me even if I just sit there and do nothing that night it's something about uh, that place that um, it's like a beacon to me mm -hmm. I just I don't know what it is but I I love going there but if you ever want to check out this place, it's called Greycliff Lodge. They make the best steaks. It is a slow-paced restaurant, so it does take a while for you to get your food and everything, but it is worth it, 
In fact, I just saw a review today on Facebook of someone uh, from Logan that actually checked out Great Cliff Lodge for dinner, and they said it was by far the best dinner that they've ever had. Like the twice-baked potatoes, the salmon, the steak. I mean, it is it is delightful. And honestly, I mean, their hours are funky, um, but you got to check it out as soon as you can because there's a strong possibility that uh, it's going to be closing soon because mm-hmm. the owners are looking to retire and uh, they don't really have anybody to take over after they're done because, I mean, the owner is the head chef and, he, you know, he's in his 70s mm-hmm. and he's, he still freaking moves like a young guy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's going to catch up to them sooner or later. and They're going to probably close down at some point and sell the, sell the place. So yeah. while they're open, I, I suggest anybody to go there to actually go there and experience it. But, I mean, the location itself, it's through Ogden Canyon, in case you're curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and the canyon itself is tons of history to it in of itself, not to mention the the building itself. So... Yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those places that got a special place in, yeah, in my heart. Definitely. Um, for me, I don't know if this will surprise you or not, David, but it's Ed and Lorraine Warren would be the would be the ones that I would want to talk to. You know that that makes the most sense. Thinking about it. Um, I guess if you want to learn actually anything about the other side, those are the best people to, to talk to. Agreed. Which I was actually quite shocked with your answer, David. <laughs> I figured you would actually go for one of the band members of the Beatles. You know, for as strange as it is with, with, with the Beatles uh, growing up, I always had a sense that uh, there's a small portion of them always checking up on me anyways for some reason no like when i listen to their music i don't feel like i'm just listening to music sometimes i feel like i'm listening to their souls you know what i mean i mean the ones that are dead anyways i mean paul's still alive and ringo so god bless but um when, when like john and george just certain songs that i listen to it's not songs you know i'm listening to their hearts and growing up i've always felt like uh I'm sure they have better things to do than to check up on a random fan, but uh, I always feel like sometimes they're they're there, you know, with me in in moments like that. Cause I, oh yeah, I, I use them to as, as guidance in some of the stuff that you know they they sing about. So yeah, but yeah, that's probably not what most people would expect if they know me. But yeah, I just I'm not the type to want to talk to a dead celebrity yeah well it's the same here i mean ed and lorraine lauren are technically dead celebrities to a point but, but, but i mean it's not like field, paul walker because i mean they they did this for a long time yeah so i mean if anyone would have actual answers in a way they can give us that we would understand mm-hmm. being also in the field they would make the best case i think exactly so, our next question, in which, by the way, if you guys didn't know this already, David is a huge fan of the Beatles and lore. I'm currently sitting in his office right now, and I see a lot of lore and Game of Thrones, stuff like that. 
case you don't know what lore means it's lord of the rings but yeah that's kind of my realm lord of the rings fantasy and i mean the beatles i grew up on them i can tell you tons of trivia about them uh i don't do it much anymore and i don't uh do research on beetles anymore and stuff because i feel like i've done it but unfortunately the less i keep up on it the more it goes out and new stuff comes in right so i wasn't as good as i once was in high school you freaking name anything about the beetles and i i knew it i managed to talk my teacher an english teacher i uh we had to do a a book report on a book right and I showed her this book and I was like, hey, can I do it on the Beatles? And she looked at it and she was like, this is like 80% pictures. And I'm like, can I do it? And she's like, sure, you just gotta, you know, and I did the presentation and I actually went over on time than I was allotted to do the presentation, which was funny. But yeah, man. so every time we had to read, I pretty much just looked at pictures while we were reading. <laughs> right. So our next one actually came from Instagram. It is from another podcast, so I want to give them a quick shout-out. It is called Stones, Bones, and Shadows Podcast. I have listened to a couple of their episodes. They are stellar, so I definitely recommend going and listening to them. Uh, But they did ask a question. When did you first realize that you had a gift for this? Well, mine um, developed over time doing this, so I actually didn't have any gifts uh, going into it. But I guess technically I did. I just didn't realize it was a gift until I started doing it. But my dreams, because I've had dreams my whole life as a kid, but I guess I didn't really know it was a gift until I started having dreams about the paranormal and locations that I'm going to that I haven't been to yet, and then I go there, and it was all true that I dreamt it. So I guess since I was a child, I had a gift. I guess I just didn't realize it until I started doing this. So, yeah. But I mean, I do have other, I wouldn't call them gifts, but just my paranormal sensitivity um, has gotten better since doing this. Agreed. So for me, so I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna answer the question two different ways. Uh, when you when I first realized that I had a gift for this was ever since I've had paranormal experiences when I was a child, and I knew that this was my type of calling. That my th- my way of life is to help other people, not monetary wise, not physically, like a, as a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that, but spiritually. I was meant for this earth to be a healer. Um, When I found out that I was a healer, you know, and I've referenced this numerous times on on a few other different episodes, you know, when I started in this field, I was about as, I was about as sensitive as a brick, a wall. It took about four to eight people to come up to me and tell me, hey, you know you have gifts, right? And it finally took the one person who was Diana, who was my mentor, to finally open my third eye and realize what type of gifts I have, and I'm a healer. Um, 
so I would say two years ago, a little over two years ago, is when I the light bulb finally clicked in my head and said, I have a gift for this, and it is to be a healer. It is supposed to be a spiritual healer for anybody that is dealing with negative and malicious things in the paranormal, and which, being a healer, and being right there in the middle between dark and light, I could swing either way and not have any repercussions from it. Um, I can use it for my advantage too when we do investigations, cleansings, attachment pulling, and stuff like that. So I answered your question in two different ways because I wasn't 100% sure exactly what your question was pointing to. So I hope this answered your question. I have something more to add to that. Um, when I first started doing this, you know what I wanted to be? Because obviously, Diana calls me a was it, it was a dream warrior. Because um, that's I guess one of the ways to determine that you know my dreams really in, influence uh, myself and and my field in the paranormal. But what I always wanted to be and I strived to be when it came to investigations uh, was a guardian. Um, I tried using uh, my energy as a shield and uh, be able to uh, project it to other people to try to shield them. Um, and I've been doing that for a long time, and it's really difficult. And I think in sometimes I achieve it, and in other times I don't, and then in other times I try and it backfires. Um, so it, that's, that's what actually what I've always wanted to be when I got into the field because I found myself early on not a lot of things happening to me personally but to other people and I'm like well I got all this energy and stuff and you know I'm just standing here doing nothing while other people are being affected I'm like well let me try to help them I guess in some way because that's ultimately what the end goal of what we do here is to help people so I was like well let me try to do this you know and it, it's it's a learning thing. I, I've kind of not done it as much lately. Um, again, with because of all the places we're going to are getting darker and darker. I'm kind of having to just. I mean, Shane. I know he can take care of himself. Diana, she can take care of herself. And uh, she told me once because I was trying to shield other people. She noticed that. Uh, she's like, hey, these people, they they can they can take care of themselves. You gotta focus on yourself. Because uh, stuff's happening, and I, you know, you can get affected. And this is actually when we did a uh, media riff when you saw your demon. So, I mean, she she knew what was going on too, and she can tell that I was trying to protect everyone there. And she's like, "You just gotta this for this time. You just gotta kind of focus on yourself." So, I mean, it's I haven't been doing it lately because everywhere we've been going, um, people. And things have been kind of been focusing on themselves but uh, when it comes to like the cleansings and the, the homeowners I don't I've only ever tried shielding our team I actually haven't done too much with other people that I don't know because it's kind of hard to shield people you don't know because when it comes to shielding I think it's that that's that trust that you have with that person that kind of connection and the more you know the person I think it's easier to establish a link to be able to shield them. I just haven't been able to uh, grow that gift big enough to where I can just do it to anybody. So the first time I actually shielded some random strangers was at Case Cross. 
That was the first time and probably one of the only times I would actually shield complete strangers because there was something very gnarly coming down that trail and I'm like, you guys need to fucking move right now. And that's what I told them. I was like, you know, I've been standing here shielding you and I can't hold it much longer. You guys need to like pick up the pace and just go up the trail with everybody else. That was the first time I've ever shielded random ass people but most of the time I'm shielding you I'm shielding Alyssa I'm shielding Rebecca as much as I can you know Diana she is a she is a champion when it comes to shielding she can shield a whole entire room if she absolutely wants to but it definitely wipes her out at the end of the night um me I can only shield like up to two people at once not including myself and David you know, obviously, when he starts working on it more and more, he'll be able to shield more than just maybe one person. Yeah, Diana gets her ass kicked, so I try to be to help her out because I know I can't help her out in any way possible. But to help her out, I try to tell her I'll be a good boy and not get attacked today, so she doesn't have to use any more energy than is needed to bail my ass out. Right. So that's, that's my way of contributing to helping her out. So. She doesn't waste her energy on me. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but honestly, though, even though you sit there and say, don't waste your energy on me, she's still going to do it anyway because that's how she is. I mean, she's a healer herself. I know. She doesn't listen to me. Yeah, she doesn't listen to me either, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we're going to go to the anonymous submitted ones. So the first one here, what's the biggest challenge you have you have faced uh, with current or past, and how are you? you? Want me to say it? Yeah, go ahead and okay. answer it, cause I'll, my eyes are. So it says, "What's the biggest challenge you have faced with, current or past, and how are you going to or did to overcome it?" So it's like it's like two questions in one, depending on whether or not uh, you had to overcome something current or in the past. So how how. How did we, uh, what did we do to overcome it? Or what are we going to do to overcome it? Um, biggest challenge that we have faced. I want to do one that's been in the past. Because with the next question, it's better. Because it'd be answering the same question if we do the one that's a current one. Um, what do you think? Something that happened in the past that was something that we had to overcome um i would say oh i know like in, in internally oh i was thinking paranormal wise well that's fine that's why there's two of us we have two different opinions well there i have two of them so okay, one i am it. still currently working on working on okay. which is completely opening up my third eye All uh, right, for sure for my past was that residential impressed him with that water elemental? Really? The the one with the tire? You're still dealing with that? Well, like personally dealing with it, or like dealing with it there? Personally, still dealing with it because. That was my biggest fuck up in this field, was that case. I also I, encouraged it, but 
Yeah. <laughs> but it still weighs heavy on my mind, even though we did take care of him and everything. At it's the, still in the weighs end. heavy. Yeah. Right. Okay. So not so much because of the actual entity messing with you right now, but because we messed up uh, in a big way. Yeah. Uh, that's what's heavy on your mind because you messed up. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it's not that I, I'm a perfectionist. I'm I'm far from it. Trust me. If anybody knows me, I am not a perfectionist. I am OCD. I try to do everything right the first time. If not, you know, I'll try to get it right the second or third time. But this one really resonated with me deep because it was my biggest fuck up I've had since starting in the paranormal. Obviously, we resolved the issue, and we are good friends with the clients and everything, but I still have that lingering guilt inside of me, knowing that we put them through hell because we misdiagnosed the investigation. For two weeks? Yeah. That, that That's definitely a story we'll uh, we'll talk about, because it actually is a, a big one. Not not only the first part where, where I was involved, but probably definitely the second part when you went back to fix it. Um, there, there's a lot of uh, pieces, actually, that that go into that that whole investigation. That was a very, very interesting. And we've been there a total of three times. The third time you were not there, David. Okay, so I've been there once out of three. Yep. And what about you, David? Um. So, I was I was gonna suggest um, in, internally, um, when I first started. Um, we we had a we've had a lot of people in the group come and go for various reasons or another, um, and it's it's kind of hard. Uh, I mean, the people we have now are great, and the people that we did have, I I also very much consider them still friends, and also thought they were great, and I I miss all of them, uh, except the one guy. I never really got to know him when I first started. Um, I don't even think we had a single conversation, but uh, that was back when you lived in the trailer. Oh yeah, that was Corey. No, not Corey. The other guy. He was technically a, a tech guy. He had like a long blonde hair, maybe. Well, you obviously didn't leave an impression on me because <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, um, like literally right when I started, he was uh, technically a, a tech guy. Um. But like I said, I never had a single conversation with him. And then he was just off the team like that. But uh, it's just, I think that's been our biggest hurdle uh, with this. That's a constant hurdle that we're, we're still facing from past to now is uh, uh, the people with their commitments, with the passion, with the availability. Cause, I mean, personally, I, I don't have a problem with any of anybody that we've ever worked with um maybe there's a few too that were a little little bit out there but uh it's just it's just hard to get everyone on the same page you know i think that's why you and i work well together is usually we both have an idea on something and we usually kind of agree with it you know when it comes to almost anything so that's been the easiest part about this but when it comes to anyone else that we deal with it's hard to get on a uniform consensus of this is what we should do let's strive to achieve it Uh, a lot of people just kind of are like go with the flow you know just 
yeah, whatever. We, let's just whatever, you know. And it's hard to find someone that's like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to do this, you know. And I think that's been our biggest hurdle. And so far, you know, we've are still here, you know. We're still doing stuff and moving forward with our lives and our our group and expanding. And obviously, we're better now than we were five years ago. Yeah, definitely. So obviously, we're doing something right. Uh, we, I think, but just those little hurdles that pop up every now and then are very, you know, demoralizing and it definitely slows our progress down. Yeah. But hopefully I think we'll still be able to overcome those as we get them. Yeah. I think honestly, we resonate on the same plane field. I think more or less you were supposed to be my brother at one point in time. And honestly, we're so alike in certain aspects. I think that's why we clicked very well. And I never have to question your commitment for this because you have the same commitment as I do. The others are, you know, like he said, they're they're go with the flow. There's not really much initiation. And then just the sheer lack of actual people that just actually want to give a damn, you know, they just want the title, but they don't want to work for it. You know, a lot of people don't realize doing this stuff is... Uh, very time consuming it's it's a full time job I'm not getting paid to do this I have not gotten paid I have not made a single penny in the 8 plus 10 plus years of doing this I have not made a single penny but it's a full time job for me and you know what I enjoy it finding the same well, what people what makes it worth it, it is the company in which you're doing it with I agreed you know you know, when you when you have a group of people that don't aren't on the same playing field as you, it's like nails on a chalkboard. You know, and that's how a lot of people lose their passions is because they get mixed up with people that don't have the same passion as you, and that's what burns you out quicker. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm burned out. I've been burned out for a while, but I think it's because of lack there of commitment from certain group members and lack thereof communication on their part because they obviously know what I expect, you know. But things are on the up and up. That's all I can say. And I, I, I you, keep I a positive felt, outlook on it. I think you felt alone, you know. I mean, obviously, you have a few people that are, are close to it, but I, I feel like uh, the way your feeling was you felt like you were alone in doing what you're doing and it's all on your shoulders and it's hard for you to get a sense of you know why should I keep doing this and being coming a person like a business treating it and just being the bad guy for everyone around you instead of you know enjoying what you're doing even though it is hard work you know that's that's how I feel like if you know you were being seen at you know you just alone in it but uh i think we took a decent uh break and i think we're also going to take another decent break when it comes to our investigating obviously we're going to still do the residentials but just kind of lay back a bit and just focus a little bit more on you know our our projects that that we've Mm -hmm. been wanting to do yep so uh, hopefully yeah like that happens and we can progress Exactly. So for the next question, 
what's the biggest surprise you've had in the past few months and why? Um, I don't want to say mine because I'm going to save it. Well, I'm not saving it. I'm about to say it in the next episode we record. Podcast is weird how we're doing this right now. We're recording the last episode when we still have two more episodes before the last episode. So it's kind of funky because they're guests, Mm -hmm. so we had to schedule it differently. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'll try to keep mine paranormal related, and you can go first. Hmm. What's the biggest surprise you've had in the past few months and why? Because you've had more paranormal dealings than I have in the last few months. Because the last one I've had paranormal-wise... technically was our trip yeah so that that's technically the last paranormal thing that i've actually have experienced i think the biggest surprise i've had in the past few months was actually being able to check off like three different locations that i had on my bucket list for utah that was my biggest surprise that's pretty good so i was able to do the uh Anson Call House, a.k.a. Ted Bundy House, however you want to say it. Ted Bundy didn't technically have any association with it, but I digress. Uh, Case Cross and the Great Saltaire. I was able to investigate all three of those locations. Out of all three, personally, the funnest that I've had, but it was also the darkest, was the Anson Call House. Solid second was Saltaire. Number three was Kate Cross. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, I've never been to any of those three. But I want to add in one personal. The biggest surprise that I've had in the last few months was to be your best man at your wedding, David. Yeah, that was a good time. I'm not going to lie. When David asked me to be his best man, I was internally shitting bricks because I've never been asked. Like, my other best friend got married in the temple, so I could not be his best friend. Uh, my other used to be good friend, used to be best friend, but now we're just acquaintances. You know, he he's not married. A lot of my friends have come and gone. You know, my dad always warned me about this. And frankly, the only other person that I talk to outside of my significant other is David, who is one of my best friends. Rebecca, who is one of my best friends. Diana, who is also one of my really good best friends. Um, Tim. uh, Caden. But out of all those people... I was shocked. I was honored. And I'm not going to lie, when I watched your guys' wedding video a couple days ago when David posted, when Sadie posted it up, I cried. Sadie made me watch it. I didn't want to watch it. It was, it was, <laughs> it was the best six and a half minutes of my life. But not because I didn't think I would like it. Um, I loved it in the end. Uh, I surprising as this will sound is uh, I hate seeing myself uh, in film. But good God, he got the good good sides of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, camera lighting will do that. Um, exactly. <laughs> but 
I did I did like it in the end it was it was interesting I me eating the bubbles at the end was funny right um I I, I didn't even know you did that I did not know you did that I watched that and I was busting up yeah with tears coming out of my eyes our, our, our exit walk to the car everyone blew bubbles through our pathway and I just gulped a few down for fun uh it was actually funny to, to look at uh people in the background it was very interesting right um I, I thoroughly I, I did enjoy it um it could have been longer I don't know <laughs> there could have been more shots to it um but I think he captured the right ones yeah you know it, it wasn't too bad I liked it um so if we go the last few months so if I go back in time to June God, what did we do in June June was such a busy time for me it was because we were getting shit ready for your wedding. Gosh, I know everything was so crazy. Yeah, I guess, I guess my getting married was probably the biggest surprise. I mean, it wasn't a surprise. I planned for it, but uh, I don't know. This this whole summer technically has been a really good summer up until just now, but uh, well, three weeks ago. Yeah. Now you're doing better. Three weeks well, ago, not so good. much. Yeah, birthday present of a lifetime. But uh, yeah, no shit. Yeah, I would. Say, I'm still here, so I mean that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, we should go on to the next question. Yep, definitely. So the next question, this one's gonna be a fun one. Uh, if you had an extra X amount of dollars of a budget, how would you spend it, and why? Okay, this one's easy for me. I don't know if you'll you'll agree, but I don't know if you, you'll be surprised when I say it. Um, it would be if I had like you know a budget of money to do things uh, besides traveling, it would be hiring an editor, mm-hmm. like a full time editor for for our team. Because honestly, when it comes to the paranormal field and everything we do, you and I can honestly handle everything and do it all ourselves but the biggest load of weight off the back would be having a full-time editor and be able to pay for him i mean traveling would be nice to have a budget to travel to locations to yeah pay for locations and stuff like that that's a no-brainer but yeah it it would be hiring an editor because i think that's the hardest thing about this field if you film yeah i would say my solid first would be a group vehicle and this vehicle would have to be big enough to seat everybody and have the towing capacity for a trailer to haul all of our equipment. Uh, my second would be what David like a, said. Like an RV camper type thing where yeah. we can kind of sleep in there, have like a base of operations type thing. I've always wanted one of those. Yeah. I've always wanted one of those. The idea of that just sounds so much nicer. Right? So that's that's my number one. I like it. I like it. Number two would be what David said, an actual <laughs> editor, someone yeah. who deals with the tech part of it and can deal with the camera and the editing part of it. If I can find someone that can do all three, dude, I would, I would probably cream myself because I'd be so happy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part about doing what, what we want to do, honestly, because... Uh, I can come up with the money to buy the equipment. Equipment's not the issue. Yeah. Um, I'm sure location-wise, we can get into some great locations. 
that's not an issue. Getting there's not an issue. We can figure that out one way or another. It's just it's kind of hard to afford an eighty thousand dollar RV. That is true. Yeah, that is true. You can always find a uh, an older style type and fix it up. Yeah, because the new thing these days are people are buying up those old retired uh, school buses and converting them into RVs. Cool. Yeah, school. Just take out all the seats and then mm-hmm. pretty much have an open carcass space to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Throw a bed in there. Throw a couch in there. Mm-hmm. You know, run some wiring, set up a desk, you know. Oh, yeah. Charging ports and all that shit. In fact, I was watching, uh, I watch a lot of YouTube when I'm laying down in bed, ready to go to bed and just winding down for the day. Um, one of the YouTubers um, that I watch, he primarily does a lot of like go-karts and and stuff like that but they've actually uh converted the short bus into an rv camper and the last episode that i watched was they actually uninstalled the old school folding doors uh they remember back in the day i don't know if some of our listeners are a little bit older or our age or anything like that remember back in the day when the yellow school bus would come and pick you up and you would see the bus driver grab the handle, press the button, and manually open up the door and close the door. So he had this in the short bus, and he actually bought a dented but new RV door, and he was able to successfully install it on this short bus by using just some basic tools and some angle iron. But how do you open it from the outside? Just a button. No, it's an RV door, so it's got a latch on the inside and outside and has a key. Yeah, and has a screen door too. So it's basically it's a replacement RV door that was dented, sold on eBay for super cheap. Yeah, there's a lot of possibilities. That'd be nice. Yeah, there's a few problems with that though. Uh, storage. You got yeah. find a place to park the bitch when you're done. Right. <laughs> and uh, number two, uh, probably gas. I'm sure gas for buses aren't aren't the cheapest. And you would need to get your CDL license too to operate it. Yep. Because technically you have to have a class of CDL license for uh, public transportation. There's different types of classes, if I remember right. If I'm wrong, please correct me. But last I checked, you have to have your CDL for a full-size school bus. Which is probably the least of your concerns. But depending on the state. (laughs) Depending on the state, let me clarify that. I know some states don't require it, some states do. So if I am completely wrong, call me out on it so that way I can correct myself makes sense because I've, I've seen a few people who drive school buses and I they look like people that might not be able to handle much other than that you know what I mean so I can I don't know I've never obtained a CDL my father has one nice but I can't imagine it's too difficult to obtain one especially if you do a specific class it's not like you have to hook up a big you know trailer to a big ass truck mm-hmm. you know diesel guy but yeah. I don't know how it works. So the next question, what's the biggest failure in the last year and why do you think that happened? Biggest failure of last year. Have we had one? Did we have one? Did we really fail on anything yet? Honestly, none that comes to mind, to be honest with you. I mean, I wouldn't say the last year, but I know what a big failure that we did. And, you know, that's when we our first attempt at doing uh, filming projects. That was a, I wouldn't call it a big failure, but I would, it was definitely a failure that we learned from. Yeah, yeah. That would have been in the last three years. Yeah. 
but I mean, last year was mostly COVID related. We couldn't do anything. Well, <laughs> so I guess well, that's a big fail here. Depending on where you're located, <clears throat> if you're located in a state that was really hammering down on it and you couldn't really do anything, I feel sorry for you because over here in the western part of the United States, you know, we were able to go out and do some things. I mean, the bars were closed. Yeah, but... There's no harm in doing a big old bonfire in the middle of nowhere with some beers. Well, that's because no one knew about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> but paranormal-wise, really, yeah, all of last year, there really, we didn't really do much. I, I, I would say probably my biggest failure in the last year was the fact that we weren't as busy as the year before. So 2019 right. was our busiest year to date. And once 2020 hit and COVID and all that bullshit, dude, we tanked. I mean, we did quite a bit of stuff last yeah, year. Yeah, we still managed to do a few things. Yeah. Well, a lot of things, too, was uh, we did what? The Waverly. The, well, the Waverly. But that was during COVID. Yeah, that was last year. So I mean, that was pretty. That was pretty, probably the biggest thing we did. Yeah. But even before COVID, I mean, we were doing uh, the expos and stuff. Oh yeah, the expos. We definitely missed that. Because I mean, we did we did two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before COVID. Which, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast at this point in time, just an FYI, we do have a booth at the Logan Paracon. It is going to be located at the event center at the fairgrounds. It's going to be on October 9th, which is a Saturday. More details are still to come. But obviously, the last episode that you guys listened to of us before our final season, we sat down and talked with the owner and founder of the Logan Paracon, which he also has a phenomenal book out as well. Well, books in general. But listen back to that episode so that way you can get all the details necessary that he has available to you right now. I'm sure it was a good episode, too. Um, the other thing we did uh, besides that is we uh, did a tour of the Union Station. Like, we led tours. That was before COVID, too. So, I mean, we were, we were probably, like, super busy. Like, I think we had two to three investigations per month. On top of that are, were the events that we did. So, I mean, and then COVID hit, and I think we did three to five, excluding uh, Waverly, um, for the good majority of the year. And then it died down back around November, December again. So then that's when we started doing uh, ideas for the podcast and stuff. And uh, Media Rift was in November, so that was the last investigation we did for that year of 2020. And then December, we started doing our podcast and then came back in 2021. Yep. So honestly, the biggest failure for us is we just weren't as busy as 2019. I think that was our heyday. That was our heyday year. And then obviously, pandemic screwed things up. Uh, We've had some shifting of group members we've lost a few uh, we're currently looking for some so if you know of anybody that's in the cash value or surrounding areas please send me an email at bearriverparanormal at outlook.com 
and we will be very thorough on the vetting and the interviewing. Yeah, because the last person that I hired, she was a complete fucking dud, personally. But I digress. Yeah, I'm sure she doesn't listen. Yeah, doubtful. She already hates me, so. That's good. Right? But it's her own doing anyway. For the next question, how do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things within your role? So, for you mostly, it's uh, just working with Diana on uh, different cleansings and stuff. Um, For me, I guess you're trying to have me do more other things when it comes to cleansings. Um, Because, I mean, we obviously, in our personal lives, do our own research to better ourselves uh, with random things that we could potentially deal with. And then just investigating. I mean, every time we investigate, it's a learning opportunity. And we just kind of carry that on, information we gather and stuff that forward. But currently, uh, I guess, investigation-wise, yeah, it's just Shane teaching me what he's learning from Diana. It's just kind of a trickle-down effect. But uh, right now, for me also, it's uh, learning computer stuff, too, to help with editing. That's kind of the biggest thing that Shane's trying to help me learn how to do, which is fucking hard. Yeah. Uh, just just saying, I'm not the greatest at it. Yeah. At this point, it's a blind leading the blind, but we're both learning. Yeah. Um, I'm decent when it... I mean, anyone can listen to audio, I think, because it's just putting the headphones on and just sitting there and you hear something that sounds abnormal and you just kind of tag it, right? Um, but when it comes to actually editing video, and I can kind of just kind of squish things together and just pick something I the order in which it can go in uh transitions aren't my specialty um but I haven't dealt I just kind of done some b-roll shots but that's kind of what I am mainly continuing to learn is just uh, more technical stuff honestly I mean I technically my role has been equipment specialist since I've joined the team but Equipment's one thing. Uh, dealing with software on the computer is a whole other beast. Yeah. I would say the thing that, paranormal-wise, is my abilities. Um, the last few months, which has always been kind of the thing with us, summers are always our slowest time. Which is ironic because other teams summers are their biggest are their busiest times and for us it's our slowest once it starts getting colder out people start calling us to go out and do cleansings and investigations and so on and so forth so from about october to about april we'll be busy and then from april to october we'll be slow so for me paranormal wise is just building up on my abilities um it's just like anything else it's like muscle memory if you haven't done it for a while you tend to lose track of it you tend to lose touch of it um when it comes to the paranormal though i i just i my biggest hurdle which there's been a lot there's just so much that I've learned in the last two months that I'm still trying, uh, not two months, in the last two years that I'm still trying to process with my abilities and with me being a healer and doing all this. 
I'm con- I constantly have to be on top of my game because, um, it, like I said, muscle memory. Once you stop using that, you start losing it, and then you have to relearn it again. For a personal aspect, time management and computer programs are the other things that I'm trying to improve. Um, I am a particularly odd individual. The way that I learn is a lot different from a lot of different people. I can't just read a book and learn anything. In fact, I'll read a page and then I'll look at you and I couldn't tell you what I just read. Like I don't remember anything. The way that I retain things is if I watch it and go along with what I'm watching is how I learn. So my bi- my biggest um, you're an on the job training kind of guy yeah yeah. I'm not a book smart guy I am a experience guy you know I have to have the experience to learn it I can't just read a book and learn you know so that on my personal side that's what I am continually to learn is time management and learning computer programs and all that good jazz and on the per on the paranormal side it's my abilities 100 percent my abilities like equipment is one thing i i can sit there and i can learn what an equipment does in a couple hours or less you know but for abilities it is a lifelong process i probably will never get to the end of my checklist until the basically the day before i die all right what's the biggest area you are curious about and what are some things you are researching the most right now the biggest area that i am curious about is abilities my abilities um the the biggest thing is with being a healer it's it's a, it's a very temperamental thing. There's a lot of things that you're curious on. There's a lot of things you can improve on. And there's a lot of things that you can learn on. Um, I'm currently researching different types of herbs, different types of ways to apply those herbs, different types of entities, different types of... I've actually picked up a couple of witch books, and I actually want to start uh, learning how to use candles with herbs and use stones with herbs. And I wouldn't say using like uh, doing like spells, but I want to learn how to craft my abilities to work around me being a healer. Um, you know, I want to get to the point where Diana is, where I can walk into a room and I can shield everybody. If I need to pull an attachment out of someone, I could just go up and pull an attachment out of them without any repercussions uh, for doing so. And in that way, that's what I'm researching. I'm trying to build my abilities to the point where I can be self-dependent, knowing that if David gets wiped out by a malicious entity, I can turn around and I can bring him back and, and heal him like he's supposed to be healed. That's basically what I am curious and researching the most right now. Well, besides malicious entities and demonic entities, but, you know, come with the times. Let's see, what am I curious about right right now? I mean, really, my big focus right now 
uh, with with what we're doing is honestly our projects. That's kind of the biggest thing on my mind because lately I'm not really in the mindset of just going to investigate a place for for cause. I mean, obviously there's uh, the residentials that uh, come up and those are important, but more of the places that we can go to for fun i mean i like investigating it is fun but it's not really i'm not thinking oh man what's when's the next investigation coming up that's just for fun it's more actually focusing on our projects is because i've done this now for five years of uh, going to great places and i love doing that and i will continue to keep doing that when the opportunities come up but i'm not looking for the next place to do for fun I'm focusing on, I want to focus on our projects and then when the necessary ones that are crucial come up to do them and then the fun ones can come up whenever they come up um, because, you know, there will always be times that we can have fun and do it. But I, I really want to make something of this, you know. I really want uh, all of the hard work that we're doing uh, be beneficial uh, to us to help us encouraging us to keep moving forward and doing this because I do want to keep helping people no matter what but I also want to be able to make it able so that we can continue doing this and sometimes if, if all you do is just help other people help other people you burn yourself out and then that's when you lose yourself and you lose the will to want to do it uh, research wise gosh I really haven't researched I always research stones because um, I always keep amassing a collection of stones so I always keep thinking on uh, on them and doing stuff that way um, but paranormal wise I really don't do much research um, until the need arises to do the research on uh, specific things when it comes to, like locations and such that we're going to obviously for our investigation purposes but yeah there's nothing really I, I've researched um, to help uh what what i'm doing right now and in regards to what david said you know obviously uh with our project i definitely want to make that a priority and that's another thing that i am curious and researching on as well you know because you got to learn how to use the programs to be able to edit it and put it all together and everything and you got to make it cinematic quality you know if it's going to be garbo it's going to be garbo but if you can make it cinematic quality to the point where it catches people's eyes to say, you know, then that's that's the improvement that we want. That's what we are looking for. Um, so I do definitely agree with you on that, David. That is definitely like obviously personally for me, it's my abilities like. I want to open up that third eye all the way, even though my spirit guides are the ones that are hindering me at the moment. Um, and doing research on the types of herbs, and I wouldn't say spells, but the way to use them and stuff like that. And, you know, being clairvoyant, being uh, clairaudio, clairvisual, uh, try to improve on all that. But definitely my solid number two that could edge out number one is the project. But... That is a collective goal of me and David for my personal, it's my abilities. 
Yeah, because for me, when it comes to those type of questions, uh, like my spirit guides, like I've never actually gone and done anything about it. I've asked Diane about it, and it's one of those things, <clears throat> sorry, that I've always wondered about spirit guides and if I ever had any, but it, it's, it's how I take most views to the spirits and such. It's one of those where if they w want to show themselves to me, then they will. And if they don't, whatever, because I always like messing with the idea of like, if I had spirit guides or are they in me with me in the shower type of thing. And it's one of those things where I'm like, well, if they're going to see what they're going to see. And if they don't want to see it, they won't see it. I don't really care. You know, it's like I can't stop them. So that's up to them, you know? So it's one of those things where it's like, if I have spirit guides in there around me, then they're going to do what they do. And if they want to communicate with me, then they will do that too. And sometimes I'll just talk. And if I'm talking to them, and if they're actually there listening, then it's whatever. If I'm just talking to myself because I'm crazy, that's fine too. But I will say, I believe I there was a possibility that I do have spirit guides because uh, growing up, um, I had a multi-personality disorder uh, where I did have seven different personalities. Um, where I would talk to myself in different personalities. Um, I've since grown out of that, but I have a sense that those were potentially my guides. Who knows? One of those things. But it's not, I'm not really curious about it because it's things like, questions like that. We ask questions every day in this field that are big, curious questions like that. And it's one of those things that they'll get answered when they get answered. And I'm not gonna be able to speed it up any faster if I want to it's just it's part of the universe's way of you'll know when you know mm -hmm. so David you do de you definitely have two spirit guides one's female and one's male um, if you listen back to I think it was episode one two or three it was yeah, one very of those early three. on yeah very early on we actually caught a female EVP on David's microphone in his own house um the female uh, spirit guide has, is more friendly towards me than his male. His male kind of stands back. I think he's more of the protector type, to be quite honest with you. Um, his spirit guides actually jive very well with my spirit guides, so that's obviously a plus. But Shane's spirit guides are annoying. I just want to tell you that right now. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both. And they know that I have a very very big displeasure with them at the moment but they, they are stubborn they are very stubborn like I am and it's quite quite irritating to be quite honest with you but they're doing what they have to do and I completely understand it so I've accepted it it's just it's quite fucking annoying personally okay now that is officially the, the end well actually if you, show, if you give me another question I'm gonna be mad I'm not okay. Sally <laughs> Sally Joe Talbot McNichol. I'm sorry if I butchered up your name. It's a long name. I did see your video. It is quite oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, me and David have both came to the consensus. We are hearing uh, radio interference in your in your video. However, like, uh, we find it very interesting. from the, the audio. Yeah, feedback. Uh, we find it interesting that your cat was acting that way and the fact that we, we are pretty sure we hear a female giggle at the very end of your video that's 
our consensus of it anyway. This is one angle that we're seeing it as. Um, we don't really have any context before or after that. It's just a minute-long video. We do thank you that you sent that to us. Um, I mean, more investigation would be much appreciated um, to be able to give you a good consensus. But uh, based on just the video, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But there is a, a higher percentage possibility from what we saw that there is potentially something there. Exactly. So now that is officially the end of the question and answering. Now for um, for season two, we do have some good things coming up on the docket. Um, we are going to have my Unchained pod, uh, episode. Um, I'm going to be basically... Airing out the laundry, if you say, on everything that irritates the fuck out of me in the paranormal. This is the first I'm hearing of this. Um, we actually had a plan for season one, but we decided to, well, I decided to wait until season two. I just didn't know you called it the Unchained episode. <laughs> yeah, the Unchained. <laughs> I like it. It's great. Yeah. Is this going to be where we, uh, voice our grievances? Make, make some friends? Well, I think we might lose some friends, but I think it needs to be said because I think people just are not willing to say it, but I am definitely willing to say it because I'm sick and tired of it. I like it. I like it. Let's let's get gritty. Mm-hmm. Let's get gritty. You've only seen the nice side of us. Exactly. Now, obviously, we don't want to lose not all of our fans. Here, but whatever. Right? <laughs> but... We want you guys to understand our frustrations when we get to that particular episode, but we also have some other great episodes as well. We we are in the talks of possibly changing the format of it. Um, there might be a new intro and outro to the podcast. We might pick a different um, background sound, uh, no, uh, music. However, I have gotten a lot of positive feedback. They actually like the the... Uh, music that I've been putting on there lately versus what we started with. They a lot of people have said that it actually sets the tone and the mood for our podcast. Um, and with the possibility of uh, uh, opening or ending the show with a potential sponsor ad. Um, we're not going to put it. It'll just be one because we don't want to bombard you with a shit ton because that'd be bad and we don't want to put it in the middle because that would interrupt the good part so we're either going to just throw it at the beginning or at the end because it did not specify where to put it um just amuse it i guess yeah. deal with it i don't know hopefully it's it's one of those things that uh, to move forward in the podcasting world uh you, you learn that you're gonna have to have sponsors uh to get anywhere um but relatively i don't think it's a bad idea um if you have any concerns about us putting sponsorship ads in it uh, yeah you can message us and tell you straight up what's up yeah and, and obviously we're gonna tailor the ads to what we personally would use or we would recommend we're not gonna put some random ass ad on our podcast that has nothing really to pertain to our likes and 
and everything like that. Have you tried this dish soap? Exactly. Or have you tried this tampon? It is a wonderful tampon. I use it every day. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. No. Like what David said, you know, obviously we don't make any money doing this. We don't make any money doing the paranormal investigation part, and we're not making any money doing the podcasting part. Uh, the uh, platform that we use is called Anchor, and they actually have a thing where they will give you a sponsorship, and they pay you for it, you know? And all you have to do is just do an ad and put it in your podcast. They'll verify it. Everything's Gucci. Obviously, we would strongly prefer if a company were to reach out to us and sponsor us, and then we do custom tailor ads towards them. I mean, on technically, our we do have a sponsor. Um, he obviously doesn't pay us, but we do heavily endorse his uh, lighting equipment. Oh, yeah. Ghost light, definitely. But, uh, I mean, that's just one of those things that we just talked about. And he has technically sponsored us, and we have sponsored him right back. So, I mean, there, but it, it was more of a friendly uh, agreement rather than a, a business venture. But, I mean, we would very much like to continue to sponsor stuff like that um, and get the ability to get the stuff that we like uh, out there. It's just, it, it becomes a little more complicated when you start bringing uh, money in, in, into it. Exactly. So if anybody out there that's our fan, um, that's one of our fans and is savvy in the whole business aspect and sponsorships and stuff like that, send me an email at bearriverparanormal at outlook.com. Let's talk. But outside of that, we definitely need to start making some monetary funds from this now obviously our viewership you know we me and david has sat down and well proper english here david and i have sat down and we went over the numbers and they've steadily been going up um they've steadily been trending i guess the biggest hurdle is we just need to we just need to figure out the aha moment um a little bit of background like I spend every other Sunday when we do post up the podcast episode, I spend anywhere between two to four hours getting things ready to post up the podcast for Monday. And that's scheduling the podcast on Spreaker and on Anchor because I still, I cross post because uh, there's some places that Spreaker posts to that Anchor does not and vice versa. So we we cross-platform that, um, and then I individually go through about 60 to 70 different um, groups that we that I post a uh, Facebook post about it, about our episode, and then we also post on Instagram, we also post on Twitter and stuff like that, and we've gotten some traction, but I feel like we've kind of hit a brick wall, so I'm I'm trying to find that aha moment to bring us up to the next level for season two. Um, The biggest thing that we ask from everybody that listens to this, please share it. Regardless if it's on Apple Podcasts, if it's on Spotify, if it's on Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Anchor, um, iHeartRadio, any of those, share it, please. Because the more you guys share it, the more exposure we get, the more listens we have, the more chances we have to succeeding. Um, 
we're doing the best that we can. Obviously, we're not business savvy. This is our first time doing it, so obviously we're going to have a bunch of hiccups. We're going to have a bunch of bumps in the road. But we ask for you guys to help us out in this aspect to share our podcast. If it's one of your favorite episodes, share it. If you want to share the channel, share it. Invite people to the podcast page and and group page or, or, and Facebook group. Please do. The more we get exposure, the more successful we'll become. And trust me, there's a lot of untapped information in both David and I's brain that we would love to share with you. But if we don't get the viewership and if this doesn't work, you know, obviously this has got to come to an end eventually. You know, if we don't bust out this project real quick, we're going to lose the shop, David. We're going to lose the shop. I mean, Jesus. I'm sorry. Man, if this deal does just not go through, we're going to lose everything. That's fine. <laughs> oh, I'll but, get over it. Uh, on a serious note, though, we are passionate about this kind of stuff. And if you can share this to other people that are passionate about this, this is how we are going to uh, succeed. We are going to make improvements for the next season. We are still going to be talking about equipment. We're still going to be talking about cases. And we're going to talk about our our main topic and stuff. But there's going to be some tweaks. There's a lot of things we've learned. And there's a lot of things that... Uh, there's a lot of things that we could implement to make this podcast better. And obviously, we're not selfish. We'll promote anybody that promotes us and while uh, we're in the midst of working on a project and getting uh, season two ready I definitely definitely recommend you go check out EVP podcast um, there's a few other there's uh, the paranormal peeps, peeps podcast you can wa- uh, listen to um why am I splanking the name now, David? Which group? Wisps. Local? Oh, advanced. Oh, it's uh, supernatural. Supernatural, supernatural hour. hour. Yeah, there, there's quite a few. Pe- there's quite a few groups out there that are doing podcasts that we definitely recommend you checking out. Uh, while we are in the midst of transitioning over to our season two and making uh, changes and everything like that, and please. Share our podcast. Share our Facebook page. Share our group page. Anything helps. Did you want to add anything, David? Yeah, we're probably going to have to sit. And I promise I'll talk about it in the next episode of the next season. But we'll probably have to save our tonal pod trip for the, the next episode. Well, let's do a brief overview. I was just talking about the uh, the improvements and stuff for season two. Okay. If you had anything to add to that. No, no I... Um, no, because I don't even know what our improvements are going to be yet. I did like or notice how funny it was to see uh, the demographic of our viewership. Yeah. The the, the, the range, because uh, obviously me and Shane aren't, aren't hitting our demographic uh, in our age group of listeners, but it's it's very interesting the type of listeners we're getting. So that, that was very, very interesting. I mean, not not to uh, be a total diss on, on any of our listeners, um, 
but uh, I think what is it? The it ranges mostly people in in the 40s are are are, are primarily listeners. female. Yeah, that that are female. Yeah, like 60 percent of our listeners are female and in their 40s. And I'm like, that's crazy because, I mean, I'm t- 24. Yeah. 24. And I'm 31. And between the ages of 20 to like 35, we barely have any listeners in that age group. Yep. And I'm like, that's funny. Right. <laughs> we can't we can't meet our demographic. But I mean, I'm thankful for any listeners we get. We if we could take a listener that's freaking 89, 90, 16. I don't really care the age range because what we're giving uh, is hopefully important information uh, and also in, in, entertaining in a way yeah Um, but it would be nice to have uh, more younger listeners because the whole point of some of the things we talk about is stuff that it's to protect yourself yeah right and a lot of younger people are more naive so if we can help them out not be less naive that helps our goal out that we're why we're doing this but there are also people who are older in their 50s 40s no matter how old you are that are still naive to this field that are just barely getting into it so if we're helping at any angle that's great i just i just thought it was funny when when we showed me the numbers right and these are the people that actually have accounts and everything who knows exactly the ones that are listening to our podcast that don't have an account but it's still it it was kind of an eye opener to be honest with you i i figured it would be more or less our generation and it'd be more or less males that would be listening to it but it's it's actually good to see the numbers um most of our listeners are from the united states obviously uh we did have i've did we have some international listeners i think we did yeah there's like a couple from the uk uh someone from like so, like Eastern Asia, and then I think someone from Australia. Yep. So, it it, it was awesome to see that the numbers and everything. So, Tonopah, awesome Tonopah. town. It is a great town. Uh, it was quite a jaunt, though. I mean, we we drove out there. Well, if you think about it, from Ely to Tonopah, how how many hours is that? Couple, two hours. Two hours. Um. The next gas station from Ely was Tonopah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> if we ran out of gas between Ely to Tonopah, we were screwed. Uh, but it was yeah, it's it's a little town, but for a little town, it has just enough you need, you know, for for, for everything. Uh, so it wasn't too little to the point where it's like not thriving, but it had just enough to keep it going, which. I think the reasoning was that they gave us was because uh, uh, a family from California that owns a bunch of like wineries and vineyards and stuff kind of bought up a lot of the land there and dumped money into it to get it to be like a tourist attraction to keep the little town that people are living there alive from the tourists that from us to spend money there, you know, and it worked. Yeah, <laughs> I, spent, I spent money there. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's really cool. Uh, but why we went there initially and primarily was for the Clown Motel, famous Clown Motel. But a, a little extra treat that we got that I wasn't expecting was the hotel we actually stayed at. Because we didn't stay at the Clown Motel. We got a room, but we didn't sleep there. 
uh, for good reason. Uh, but the best reason was because we stayed at the Mizpah Hotel, which is a heavily haunted hotel, which was amazing. Uh, not just because of you know how it looked and how old the hotel was, uh, and for the famous ghosts that uh, are said to be there and different famous people that have stayed there. Um, but I think the biggest one's what the Red Woman. That's like their big tail or whatever. I didn't know about this. I just you know first night we get there, we get there freaking way late, pull up and almost midnight. So we're like, oh, we've been driving for six hours. We barely made it. Awesome. Let's hurry well, up. I wouldn't say it was midnight. It was about nine, ten o'clock. Okay. Well, by the time we went to bed. It was about run. Because we had a yeah. little excursion. We get there, unpack, do our things. Cool, kind of chilling. Oh, hey, some of our friends uh, got attacked where they're at. They're coming over to the hotel. We got to do some stuff for them. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, great. So I get a phone call from Diana. Hey, Shane, I'm, Shane's in the shower. I'm like, Shane, taking your bag. Okay. <laughs> grab his cleansing bag go downstairs to their room and wait in there and going to get our friends that are been affected get up in the room and just handing diana shit and i'm like i'm tired mm-hmm. <laughs> and then shane comes strolling in there with half a towel on and no shirt right <laughs> like i'm here to help <laughs> and so yeah that was our first introduction when we first get there so that was cool um but i ended up having a dream uh, about this uh, mysterious woman in my dream. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Breakfast next morning, um, just sitting there talking with everybody, and I tell them about this dream I have. And uh, I think it was Cass and Kathleen kind of look at me and go, really? And I'm like, yeah. And they proceeded to tell me this story. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know about that. And they said, yeah. I'm like, thinking about it as we're eating, I'm like, what does she look like? And she's like, they're like, there's a picture of her. I'm like, oh, I go look, and I'm like, oh. It's cool. Come back to the table, and I'm like, she looks pretty close to the woman I had in my dream. <laughs> so, you know, that was, that was very, very interesting uh, to dream about this famous ghost that I knew nothing about, honestly, because I didn't know we were staying there, and I didn't do any research on it. When we got there, I didn't have any time to really know anything or any of that. So the fact that that happened to me was was pretty cool. Um, food there was great. We ended up being able to do a tour. The manager let us tour the basement and tell us some more history about stuff, like their private Jesse James room, which was cool. Uh, I think the Miss Bud was kind of the highlight, even though we ended up doing the Clown Motel. Um, yeah, we went through Goldfield, uh, did the cemetery. That was cool. I love cemeteries. And the car museum. Car museum, that was interesting. Uh, I liked it. I just wish I didn't have to drive my car through it because it was off-road and I'm in a low-ass car. Um, so that was butt-puckering the whole drive, trying not to scrape on rocks. But it was cool to see, for sure. Um, and then tons of good food. There really wasn't a place we went to that didn't enjoy the food. Yeah, the food was really good. And the alcohol... Definitely not from Utah. It may have been consumed on the trip. We'll never know. Um, some gambling might have happened. I won't tell you. Um, I think we met some interesting people. Did you end up getting that 100 bucks from your dad, by the way? No. <laughs> what the hell? No. No. <laughs> sure haven't, but it's okay. 
I'll never trust him again, so we'll move on from that. Right. Um, but the Clown Motel itself was cool. Um, just inside their little uh, museum, we did we. I mean, we filmed it in there with all their their haunted stuff, and with we did a little session with the ovulus and stuff. So that was it was really cool. The cemetery there itself was really cool. Um, so little backstory on it. So it closed in 1911. Uh, they have a new cemetery for all of uh, Tonopah. But uh, the reason why they closed that one down is because there was an outbreak of a type of disease, the Spanish flu or whatever. And uh, the problem was every time they kept digging a new grave for a new person, uh, it would bring up the flu back and people would get sick again. So they pretty much had to abandon it at that point and just start a new one. And they just never used it since. So it's just kind of laid abandoned kind of there just next to this uh, motel. Uh, but we rented a room, we investigated the room and uh, the the grounds. Uh, we did an attempt at a live, but uh, it was just kind of like a test live. So, we'll, in the future, for our podcast uh, episodes and Barrier River Paranormal, do more lives in the future and do other things. That's part of our uh, retooling of our show that we'll get into. But uh, yeah, we, we had good good times, good two solid days. Um, I mean, I never got attacked there. Um, I didn't really see too much with my own eyes, except some glow-in-the-dark scorpions. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. What about you? Um, honestly, the drive was good. Uh, it was long. It was definitely long. I think the lo- the longest was that last hour. Once it got dark, it was just like when we went to Eureka. Once it got dark, it felt like it took forever ever to get there uh but once we got there everything was pretty copacetic i mean we got the dumb waiter the bellhop thing whatever you call it loaded that up luggage cart yeah we got up to our room and everything we sat down and talked with diana and lawn for a little bit and then we got back up to our room because frankly we were both tired i was in the shower portrait oh yeah dude she was god awful dude Worst portrait I have ever seen in a location, and I had to put my shirt over it because it freaked me out. Like, I didn't want that damn thing staring at me while I was trying to sleep. I'm good. But apparently it was a lady that roams that room and that level at that time. Apparently she was the postmistress or something like that. Mel lady. Mel lady, thank you. And, um... I mean, she really didn't bother us, and I don't think she really minded that we covered up her portrait because honestly, she was gave me goosebumps. Um, the room was great. I mean, it was flashback to the past. That's for damn sure. They tried to keep it as more antique as possible with some minimal upgrades, obviously. Uh, the town itself is great. I was actually quite shocked that they had an A&W fast food joint there. That I was actually quite shocked about that. But the places that we went to, the barbecue joint mm. was amazing. And their uh, red beer, oh, mm. yeah. that was so good. Yeah. Um, the, well, the DeSarona Sours were good. Oh, the DeSarona they, Sours were They definitely were know point. how to make them good in, in Nevada. Utah can't, does not know how to make them. Well, Very Utah upsetting. never orders De Serona. They always have that off-brand Amarillo shit. And it's yeah. not the same. Well, one time I ordered a De Serona sour in Utah. They just gave me straight De Serono. They put no sour mix or nothing in it. So I take a sip and I'm like, oh, fuck. 
Which, <laughs> you know? Which is funny because I went to old Chicago after when they opened in Logan. Mm-hmm. I asked them the same thing. I asked them, do you have DiSorono? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I want a DiSorono sour. So what did I get? Straight DiSorono. <laughs> That's funny. Like, you don't have, like, anything. Like, even, like, a sour puck wrap, puck or anything. Just, you got to put in a sour. Exactly. <laughs> to, to counter it, to make it good. Exactly. But, yeah, that, that barbecue joint, it was really good. I had something I never had before. It was in, it was something nachos. What was it? Oh, it was the, wasn't it the brisket nachos or pulled pork nachos? It was like, uh, cause it, yeah, it was like pulled pork nachos. Yeah. And it was very, very interesting because it was very, like, taco salady but then below that there was some pork I don't, it was very interesting i make it a point to try new things when i go to different places like i don't want to see stuff that i can potentially get back home i want to try something that is different you know uh it was very interesting i th- honestly i think the best place i ate on our whole trip was the first place we stopped at in neely Oh, the bar? At the the racks. Ah, oh, the bar, yeah. Because uh, that, that burger was really good. The jalapeno bites, those were good. The only thing I think they lacked in the department was the fries. They were just, un, 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 just cut, like really floppy, not really seasoned. Just your standard potato. Like, really, you, you needed sauce for it. Yeah. But uh, I think that was the best place we ate at. I mean, I did like the barbecue place because their their sauce was good. All right. Due to technical difficulties, we had to take a slight pause, but now we are back. So I was just talking about food, nothing that important. Right. But overall, I mean, we, we I had a camera rolling. Uh, I haven't checked out the footage on that yet or the oh, digital recorder. In the, in the room. In the room. Yeah, in the Mispa room. The, the, when we left the night to go to Clown Motel, we set up a camera uh, in the room, and then even while we were sleeping, I think the camera was rolling for a good a couple hours, which I'm not looking forward to seeing myself sleep. That's a new one. Yeah. L- lots of tossing and turning, I'm imagining. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't sit still, I don't think. So, um, the Clown Motel was awesome. It's definitely a tourist trap. I will tell you that now ever since they become famous. <laughs> That's but true. But it's actually pretty cool that the fact that they had that cemetery right next door and then literally right up the road was the mitzvah. Um, pretty much could have walked anywhere we went to except for Goldfield. Yeah, basically. We'll go more in depth on it in season two or season three if we get to that uh, particular investigation. But all in all, um, we definitely had fun. We had a good group of people that came out to investigate. Um, had a great time over the weekend. Got to see some awesome things that I don't think I could ever see again. Um, I've never seen such a plethora of raw turquoise before in my life until the mitzvah. Mm. And the fact that people use actual precious stones as part of a burial... Yeah, for the, at the Goldfield Cemetery. Yeah, at the Goldfield Cemetery. Yeah, we saw a lot of uh, different types of stones. Yeah, and, used on for, for like outline of the, the the grave plot. Oh yeah, we were seeing anything from quartz to uh, turquoise, green quartz. Green quartz. There was a few other things too. I think there was a uh, redstone there. I can't remember if it was quartz redstone, or not, but yeah. And then that uh, 
that one headstone that you took a picture of uh the guy who died from eating glue or something. oh yeah eating glue yeah <laughs> that was hilarious um <clears throat> i think at that cemetery there was a, a dark feeling there uh, and it was never around me but it was always towards something um I, I couldn't put my finger on it. It was really windy. Yeah. That that day too, and then the uh, there was a secret order. Do you remember what it was called there? That specific gravesite that was like a, a knight's order. Yeah, I remember that one, but I can't re- quite remember exactly what it's. They kind of put base their uh, beliefs kind of off the masons, but they're like their own chapter. Yeah. In uh in Tonopah, it was it was very interesting. We'll have to look at the if we took any pictures and see what it is and put it up yeah definitely but all in all had a great time great trip there so as it sits it's going to be uh two to three months before uh season two comes out uh we are implementing some changes uh season two is going to be bigger and better and we are definitely looking forward to it so david and i thank you guys so much for listening to us um you know i've even heard from quite a few people that have listened to us from the very beginning and said that we've improved tenfold from the first episode we came out with to the last episode that's been posted on anchor we've made a lot of improvements a lot of people have enjoyed our show Uh, a lot of people have found that The information that we provided is definitely informational and sometimes controversial. But that's just how we are. Sometimes people just can't agree on one single thing and so it can be controversial. But as long as we uh, keep that line of communication open and see both sides of the aisle, all should be copacetic. But we thank you deeply from the bottom of our hearts for giving us a chance listening to our podcast hearing our stories and we definitely definitely look forward to having you listen to episode one of season two my name is shane and thank you so much for listening to us and you have a great rest of your day goodbye you are listening to the bear river paranormal podcast brp podcast If you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting, please send us an email, text, or call. You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at BRP Podcast. If you are interested in sponsoring us, or if you like your products featured on the show, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day.